You are listening to the second episode in Dementia Dialogues, Art and Dementia series, hosted by Lisa Loisel. Today we welcome Cynthia Hewling Hummel as co-host. Cynthia has a background in parish ministry and lives in Elmira, New York. After being diagnosed, she has become a leader in the dementia field, an artist and an author. Lisa and Cynthia are in conversation with Linda Everman and Dawn Windorf. Linda has been a caregiver of both her parents and her husband. She married Dawn after the deaths of both her husband and Dawn's wife. Linda is primarily a fabric artist, and after a career as a therapist, Dawn has deployed his skills as a musician, songwriter, and poet in working with people with dementia and care partners. The theme of the episode today is about the importance of expressive arts in self-care. I have been doing a number of these podcasts. For our listeners, can you describe what expressive arts means? Yeah, I mean, basically we're talking about aesthetic kind of experiences, artsy experiences that have the power to prompt emotions, to allow for an expression of emotions or emotional reaction, uh, to, to prompt memories and associations, and to allow some participation and sharing of that kind of experience with other people. So uh, really anything you think of as, as being artistic, but particularly music, visual arts, I don't have direct experience with dance or drama, so I'm not so sure, but people say that. So I, I take them at their word about that. Writing, uh, poetry. For Linda, it's fabric arts, quilting. Yes, and, yes. And, and in fact, Cynthia is, is wearing a stole, an Alzheimer's stole uh, that Linda made for her. The very first one that I made. Oh, that's the first one, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I wear it all the time. And I talk about um, your advocacy, the, the two of you, and, and how this is just one aspect of the many ways that you connect with people living with dementia, with congregations, uh, with care partners, um, to bring us all together um, in our mutual uh, care and concern for, for those living with Alzheimer's disease. So I, I just treasure this stole, and I've gotten more and more people interested in it. And they'll ask, you know, how can I get a stole like that? And so I wanted to maybe open up the questions to, to talk about how you got started with your stole ministry, Linda, making these beautiful fabric stoles and how you've been distributing them. Well, thank you for asking. You know, one of the aspects of the expressive arts is also symbolism. Um, and especially for me and, and in terms of advocacy. And the way that um, the Stoll Ministry started was in 2018, Don and I applied for with our friend and fellow advocate, Dr. Danny Potts, uh, for um, a grant to help foster dementia-friendly faith communities in Birmingham, the greater Birmingham, Alabama area. We received the grant and in the course of the year, we visited, we made about 40 congregational visits and um, we were able to buy uh, books and DVDs and to visit with pastors, rabbis, chaplains, congregational care staff and to talk about dementia. On one of the visits, 
we were sitting in an office and one of the young pastors had a beautiful wooden rod in his office and from it he had his collection of stoles and um, one of them was a breast cancer stole. It had pink ribbons on it. It was very pretty. I was, of course, intrigued with it. And at another visit, we were waiting for the pastor to come in. And on the back of his door was his collection of stoles. And one of them was a beautiful white wedding stole. And when he came in, you know, I was looking at it and I made a comment. And he started to tell us the story of his stole. And it occurred to me that, um, you know, fabric holds memories and that a stole, which is a sacred liturgical garment, just goes such a long way without words in showing our support for families facing the challenges of dementia. So we were involved in this campaign to um, foster dementia-friendly faith communities and to make it safe and acceptable to talk about it. As a matter of fact, our theme was, um, let's talk about dementia, <laughs> you know, let's talk about dementia. And so I thought, well, if a pastor, priest, or rabbi, and a rabbi's case would wear a tallit, were standing before their congregation, they wouldn't even have to say anything. It would show their support. Also, we were at an advocacy summit and a pastor came wearing his stole. And I thought, well, there's lots of opportunities for members of the clergy to wear a stole, both in terms of support and advocacy. Yeah, and, build awareness. Um, so Don came up with the title for our book. We wrote a book called Stolen Memories. Of course, a play on the word. And a friend of ours who was, um, who is a rabbi asked if I would make him a talit. My first response was, well, no, I, I don't know anything about doing that. And I certainly don't know how to do the Tide Fringe, which has 600, I believe it's 604, if I'm, I could be wrong. But anyway, Tide Knots that all are very symbolic and representative. And he was like, no worry, it's, um, you can make a stole like one and I will tie it. And, and you pray as you tie it. But at any rate, the very first stole that I made was for Cynthia to celebrate her advocacy and our friendship. And uh, from there I've made and given away over a hundred and would be very happy to continue to do so. And we wrote the book with instructions in case others wanted to join us in the ministry. Every single one has been meaningful to me, but one that really surprised me was after uh, Cynthia's, I made one for our dear friend who is 92 and a retired Presbyterian pastor and has spent his life really caring for and advocating for families facing dementia. And right after I sent it to him, he wrote me back and told me that he had revised his will and that in his will, he asked that at his memorial, his cremains and his Alzheimer's stole would be on the altar in recognition of his work um, on behalf of families for Alzheimer's. It's such a meaningful way to share your passion with other people. 
Lisa, when I went to visit um, Don and Linda, one of the fun things that we did that's connected to um, the arts and dementia is we sang. And I, when we got on this call this morning, I was just loving the costumes for those who can't um, visualize um, what Linda came on with a big pink um, Southern Belle hat and Don had a, a top hat on. You were looking like you were ready for an Easter parade. What, I, what was going on in Alabama today? <laughs> well, a, a huge part of our lives right now is doing remote Zoom uh, sing-alongs. We used to do them in person with uh, several of the local respite care programs. We love okay. these programs. We can't say enough about them. You know, part of what we do is, is sing-alongs. And today we had an Easter uh, or spring-oriented kind of theme to it. We try and do themes. And, and we research songs that people will probably recognize from their childhood or that are meaningful or that represent the, the theme, but that also, you know, you can, you can sing to. But we, we uh, supplement that with all sorts of visual stimulations too. So. We'll, we'll have kind of costumes that we wear, and that was for Easter Parade. We did that this morning. And I'll have some uh, trivia information. Uh, Easter Parade was by Irving Berlin in 1933, but best known in the movie in 1948 by Fred Astaire and Judy Garland, uh, Easter. So we put a lot of, of time into that, and it is the right now, since we're so shut down with the COVID stuff, it's probably the most... The most meaningful uh, interaction that we have, particularly with people who are living with dementia, and to some extent with their caregivers, some some join in on the thing and, and some don't. But there's a you know there's a, a whole philosophy underlying what we're doing. It's not just fun, <laughs> but, fun, it fun. fun. but it also is to accomplish a number of things. It, it's to give these people who are living with dementia a chance to socialize, a chance to be competent. They're singing. Um, we had a, a choir, uh, somebody who had previously been a choir director direct all the people. This was when we were in person. We had, uh, again, when we were in person, there was one guy that had a harmonica that he carried with him everywhere. And he brought out that harmonica and he played with his own. And it's the same thing with a guy with guitar. So we're trying to let people show competency. We're trying to let them express feelings. We're allowing them to be uh, creative. You know, it's an, it's an artistic aesthetic sort of thing so they can be creative. One guy had, I don't know where he got a hold of this finger puppet. Oh, I know. Remember that Doug with this, with, and he hit, he called it Leon and he had Leon direct the singing for everybody. It was hilarious, but he was shining. I mean, he was doing something great. Oh. The, the focus wasn't at all on what he could no longer do. Or had trouble doing it was very much on hey here's this guy and he's being funny and he's sharing this thing with all of us oh and phyllis and the tambourine yeah my tambourine lady oh uh, she was fabulous and i can't remember <laughs> if cynthia was with us or not one time when we were at bringing art to life and um we had the woman who had previously been um a church organist and oh, we had a keyboard yeah, that there. was when beth and and jeff oh, that's were there. right and she got up and played yeah. and another man who was in that group he had had he had parkinson's disease i remember this about him don had an extra guitar and handed him the guitar 
and he played along with us. I mean, so it, it was just, it was so much fun. Well, and, and the, the arts again, you know, going back to the arts, and I think it's particularly the case with music. I mean, I'm a musician, so maybe, you know, I'm a little prejudiced, but I, I think that other people are bearing out the same sort of thing. It just has an amazing power to let things emerge. You know, reminiscences, memories, sharing, connecting. Uh, and, and it's sometimes it's very surprising. And we, it's fairly routine in, in these kind of sessions to have people who really would have difficulty maybe even having much of a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. You know what I wanted to ask you, um, when I was there, Linda, um, I remember seeing you had piles of quilts that you had made for each one of those participants in the Bringing Art to Life program that you had created with somebody special in mind that would be awarded at some sort of ceremony. I don't remember all the details. I was thinking about quilting as art and how you've used that to help people with memory loss and how um, uh, you've shared that with families and with, with other participants. Can you say more about that? How you got started on that? Well, I, I'd love to tell you all about that. So um, um, that's an outgrowth of a program that started um, at the University of California, San Diego at the Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study. The Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study uh, was founded in the 1990s. Uh, it's a partnership between uh, the National Institutes of Health and the University of California in which they're the host for national clinical studies. And there's a consortium of, I believe, about 29 Alzheimer's disease research centers across the United States. So a friend of mine who was a quilter um, decided that she started the Alzheimer's disease quilt project. And it was a way to, um, you know, a, another name for a quilt is a comforter. So it was a way to thank people who were participants in clinical studies and also mm -hmm. to emphasize that you're not just a number, you know, you're a person, uh, but to thank them and to honor them. This, is, this program is ongoing in which um, quilts are given to participants in clinical studies and Cynthia has received one, but yeah. I decided to bring it to um, Tuscaloosa and with the Green Art to Life program, I had the um, students as they got to know their participants, tell me about them. I had a set of questions that I'd ask them. You know, what, what was your um, partner's hobby? What did they do when they were growing up? What kind of music did they love? Um, what did they talk to you about? And so the students would provide me with that information and I would make a personalized quilt for each of our participants. One of them, we told you about the woman who had been, she had played the organ at her church. Um, her name was Merle. She played the organ and she had led Bible studies. And that was so meaningful to her and to the students and, and the things that the students learned. I mean, I think one of the most wonderful things to come out of the Bringing Art to Life program is you think of the students enhancing the life of the person with dementia, but the person with dementia is also enhancing the life of the student. Oh yeah. They are transformed. Yeah. And there are people who have changed their majors into fields related to aging or 
the students write about at, at the at the celebration dinner the students stand up and well the person with dementia and their family attends and the students attend and everybody attends but the students stand up and thank their participants and tell them what they learned from them it's always very moving so anyway i made a merle quilt it had pianos on it and it had music on it and it had uh, the words um, from gifts of the spirit, you know, like patience, love, peace. And um, I presented it to her and she was so touched. And um, she wasn't the only one who did this, but she wanted a picture made with me in the quilt and her. And so we did, did do that picture. And, you know, um, we had said that, you know, music touches you in so many ways and it stays with you. Another experience that just really was profound to me that I always remember is, as I said, Don would go every semester with a band to bring in art to life with his musicians and um, then come to the celebration dinner a couple months later at the end of the semester. Well, one semester, um, he had a conflict and couldn't come to the celebration dinner, but I went anyway. So I'm walking into the room and one of the women who was a participant with dementia is coming in with her family and she spots me. Now, mind you, I only have met her once and it's been two months since I've seen her. And she comes right up to me. And the first thing she says to me, where is your husband, the musician? Is he going to play for us? <laughs> Met her once, two months ago, she has dementia and yet she remembered that experience and wanted to know where he was. Let's not discount what touches people's hearts. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's a great part of the beauty of the expressive arts. Of course, there are words to music and poetry and such, but there are so many other components that tap into so many levels of our memory, of our emotions, of symbolism to us. A comforter is- um, Comforting. It, it is. <laughs> you know, it, it, it speaks love and warmth and caring and someone willing to put the time in for someone who is valuable enough to receive a gift. So, you know, I just, the expressive arts are, are lovely. Well, and let, let me take it to an, another direction too, is that they can allow the person who may have some communication difficulties, you know, associated with the, the process that's going on in their brain to be able to express themselves. And it is so important for us to, listen to the voices of people who are living with dementia. I mean, they're the ones that are in there. They know what it's like. They know what they're going through. Uh, and it's so important. We can learn so much, but it's also so meaningful to them to be able to give to us this information and this help and this, this assistance. Um, and tell their story. And to tell their story. So how do you use the arts then? in continuing to live well with dementia, right? Because it's, you're living with dementia. So, you know, talking about all the expressive arts and, and all of this wonderful thing that you all participate in, 
How, how do you use that in your own self-care? As a person with dementia or as a care partner? I'd like to hear both perspectives. Well, as a person with dementia, I just love doing art, making art, creating art, sharing art. Um, I've been taking online painting classes. Now, um, I was thinking about Lester Potts, Danny's dad. You know, um, last week we worked on, on ponds and landscapes, <laughs> sea turtles. But it's fun to sit here um, and paint um, with my instructor on, online. Um, they were great. This one group of folks called the Memory Maker Project up near where I live provided everything. I was mailed all my art supplies. And then I sit down with my, my art instructor and I've been able to not just make art during that, that segment of time that we've, we call our class time, but just during the week to de-stress, to help me connect, to help me focus. I love doing that. I love singing with my guitar and I've been doing lots of that, especially um, offering, as Don said, um, concerts on Facebook Live for the church. Um, some are offered for the adults doing hymn sings and some are, are sing-alongs with kids, silly songs or, or kids um, songs that connect to faith. And it's just been a great joy to, to do both of those things. And it, it activates all kinds of memories. Um, before COVID, I was in a choir and we did the major works, the Brahms Requiem, you know, big works by Beethoven. And being able to actually read music and sing in a choral group, it's a different kind of singing than my being in a country rock band, which I love doing too. But having those experiences just builds those synapses and um, gets those creative juices going and connects me to other people. Um, and it brings me great joy. And so mm -hmm. I'm so very a, blessed. It, it takes your mind off your troubles. <laughs> oh yeah, you can focus on your troubles, but the tr it's not gonna make things. I could sit and, and be very depressed about my diagnosis and, and just kind of cocoon myself, but that doesn't change things. But by getting out and doing things, especially creative things, it just takes your mind away from it and you focus on the positive, you're um, in fellowship with other people and it's it's great joy. What about for you, Linda? I, I like how Cynthia said de-stress. I, I got back into um, fabric arts when my late husband had dementia. Um, it, I, 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 there came a time when I needed to really um, spend more time in the house with him mm. versus if I were out in the yard, you know, I, I just needed to have more, use the word supervision of him or keep him company. And so I took up knitting at that time. I started knitting for a tremendous group that I love, Project Linus, and um, I would sit and knit blankets, hats. That would be given to children. That would be given to children from newborns to or, age yeah. 18. It, it allowed me to do something for others, taking myself out of myself, but also to keep Richard company. And I, I enjoyed that. And then, um, you know, later I found out about the Alzheimer's um, quilt project. I love that because um, as a matter of fact, even though they're in San Diego and I'm in Birmingham, I just mailed them a quilt this about a week ago in memory of my late husband that had a farm theme to it because he spent some time on a farm. When I'm doing 
things like knitting and quilting. Um, I'm involved in the colors and the fabrics and um, the pattern and it's very relaxing. So I love that. And, and the quilts that I made for um, uh, Danny's program, um, some of them had a lot of images in it because my intent, um, which I told the students and the, stu and the families of the participants is you have this lap quilt, so it's about four feet by four feet. But um, for one man, for instance, it had bingo cards, it had footballs, it had basketballs, it had uh, song lyrics in it because those are all things that he loved. So picture yourself with um, say a coffee table book, but your coffee table book is a comforter that sits on your lap and you're just sitting there you know, next to your sweetie and you're like, oh, look at that basketball. I remember when you played in high school, you know, so it's, um, it's a storybook on your lap. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about the fabric arts and of course music, although I'm not a musician, um, but, but I love all of that. Yeah. Sounds like it's very, it's almost like transformational or you're, well, you're transformed into, yeah. onto another level. Um, you know, to, make a quilt and give it to another family who is uh, where, where the patient, because they, they are a patient, they're in the hospital, um, is involved in a clinical study is especially meaningful to me to do it in memory of my late husband. Mm -hmm. Because I remember sitting in those sterile hospitals you know, with people poking um, needles in his arm or sending him off to an MRI. And to have the human touch of someone come in and offer you connection, love, understanding, you know, it's just, it's meaningful. And most of the people who um, contribute to the Alzheimer's Quilt Project are former caregivers themselves. So it's very healing in, the, in that regard to pay the kindness forward that others have given to you. Yeah, Dawn, what about you and, and being in, um, involved in the arts and your own self-care? Yeah, part of what uh, I got into, um, I was taking care of my late wife, Susan, who had vascular dementia. And I had already written a self-help book about marriage. I, I'm a retired psychologist and marriage and family therapist. So I wrote a book about how to do a, a healthy marriage based on my years of experience, sort of being a psychologist, but mostly by being married. And I, I wrote it in song lyric form, kind of a rhyming verse. I, I don't know that it is good enough to be called poetry and I put not all of it ever got put to music um, but I started doing that about the emotional struggles that I was experiencing and I knew other people were experiencing as a caregiver and that really did a tremendous amount for me I hope it's been useful to some other people because uh, I, I by the way I did it in song lyrics because I hate self-help books 
uh, you know, I can usually get maybe to page 13, sometimes 14, and I just throw the thing down. It's repetitive. Yeah. Oh, boring. So I, I wrote it in, in that form because I wanted it to be more accessible and user-friendly and memorable and, and that kind of stuff. And have humor. And, and it was a, a way to put a lot of humor in there. Uh, but I would, I found that I was writing, you know, like I'd, I'd have a particular theme or section or topic that I was working on and things would just pop into my head uh, maybe while I was out running you know for exercise or in the middle of doing some caregiving process giving Susan a bath or feeding her or something like that um, so it was very nurturing to, to my spirit um, but it was also very helpful in letting me see myself from outside myself so I gained a fair amount of insight and awareness about what was going on with myself uh, by virtue of putting that in an artistic form and working on it and refining it and, and, and stuff like that. So I really credit that with uh, helping to keep me going. And, and I did manage to play some music with other people during those times too, because that was a lot of years. But, uh, and actually, had he not written that book, we would not have met. <laughs> That's true. That's right. <laughs> uh, one of the songs that he wrote for Susan is in our book, uh, Painted Bits of Bark and Stone and Tin. <laughs> right. Very good. Let me, let me say something about that, about the song, because it, it tag teams on what you're saying there. The... the song is, I wrote this actually for Susan and uh, recorded it and she got to hear it. Um, this song is painted bits of bark and stone and tin because right from the very first that I met her in college, what she would do to show people support or affection or encouragement or whatever is she would paint a little something on a, a rock that she found or a, a rusted tin can lid that somebody left in the gutter or something or a piece of bark. And that really, to me, illustrated who she was. It said something about who she is as a person. And one of the hardest things for her about being so incapacitated with her vascular dementia. And strokes. Because it was all these multiple strokes. I mean, she was almost blind. She couldn't feed herself. I had to do every, pretty much everything for her eventually. She didn't feel she could give anything to anybody, which is who she was. She was a, a giver of simple gifts. In fact, that old Quaker hymn, almost, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> simple gifts also, I, I thought, really illustrated something about her. So at a point where I was very much struggling with caregiver burnout and it was so hard physically emotionally you know I was anxious didn't know what was going to happen in the future you know we're having such a hard time um, and I was getting irritated and frustrated and angry and just really being nasty um, and it was it was not pretty at all but that song and that metaphor for who she was in a musical artistic sort of way helped me remember wait a second you know She's not giving you a hard time. She's having a hard time. Yes, you're having a hard time too. You're having a hard time together. But that's who she is. That's who's in there. You know, you may, it may be hard to access or to, to express now. But so that was very helpful 
for me. And I think that's a helpful thing for other people too, is, is to have to carry around with you that sense of this is the person like Linda was talking about with Richard. This, this is the person. Yeah. Are you going to give us a tune? Uh, I really hadn't been prepared. Grab that guitar, grab that you, uh, banjo. I, I see it over there. We'll do this one. This is nice. When she lived across the street Her roommate was a friend of mine Who thought that we should meet I liked her looks and kindness But what made our love begin Was her painted bits of bark and stone and tin I'd leave for class each morning And come back again at dark To find she left a love note Painted on a piece of bark or maybe on a shiny rock I'd spot as I walked in Her painted bits of bark and stone and tin She'd stop and chat on campus when I'd study neath the tree When she'd leave I'd open up my book again to see A sweet verse on a rusted tin can lid she'd slip thin More painted bits of bark and stone and tin Grow old along with me, she wrote, the best is yet to be. That Browning poem that she quote proved true for her and me. Who'd guess that such a little rhyme would a lifetime love begin from painted bits of bark and stone and tin. We married, raised few sons, shared together forty years. Now her health is slipping fast, the end of her life nears. So it's my turn to care for her and keep love flowing in. Bring her painted bits of bark and stone tin. I know that I must let her go, release her from my heart. Let present stop our past so our forever love can start. But I'd give all I treasure for that pleasure once again of her painted bits of bark and stone and tin. I'll let our now and up our then are always to begin Clutching painted bits of bark and stone and tin guitar as well yeah okay you're gonna play us a song my, yeah sure my mom absolutely um, always loved this song well my guitar is a little out of tune but i'm not gonna take this you are my sunshine my only sunshine you make me happy when skies are gray you'll never know dear how much i love you oh please don't take my sun 
sunshine away. Oh, please don't take my sunshine away. That was fun, Cynthia. We haven't done that in a long time. I know. Well, when we get back together, we'll do it again. Come on. With harmony, and we'll bring in Danny Potts. and uh, Bring it down. Yeah, it'll be fun to get together again. Thank you all for sharing your beautiful talents uh, with me and with the audience. And, uh, you know, I hope we can do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks to Cynthia, Linda, and Dawn for joining Lisa and sharing with us both their talents as artists and articulate advocates for people with lived experience, and for talking about how new channels of expression offer hope for folks confronted by dementia. Our series on the arts continues in December. Be sure to visit the arts section of our resource page at our website, dementiadialogue.ca, to read more about Cynthia, Linda, and Dawn, and to view some of their work. We want to hear from our listeners about how we can improve our podcast, make it more accessible to people, and reach more listeners. To do this, we are holding three separate focus groups in November. Please consider joining one of them. The groups will be professionally facilitated and will last only one hour. For more information, please write to dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. It is not too late to join one of the groups. Thanks to the Center for Research and Education on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. My name is David Harvey.